Hey guys, this is Chelsea Eithoven and you're listening to Vibrancy Radio. I spent the better part of two decades in pursuit of shrinking my body, but diet after diet, I still never felt enough. And I don't know about you, but the last word I would use to describe myself while on a diet is vibrant. After becoming a certified health and nutrition coach, I finally dropped the diets, learned to trust my body again, and rediscovered the vibrancy that was within me all along. And now I help women like you do the same. Vibrancy Radio is your new go-to resource for science-backed nutritional knowledge, major mindset shifts, and body image breakthroughs. So if you're ready to stop feeling so dang stressed about food all the time and start focusing on all the things that make you unique and vibrant, then welcome to the show. Hey, hey, sunshines. Welcome back to Vibrancy Radio. It is show not a sunshiny day today. It is rainy outside. It is pouring rain outside right now, and it's all dark in my office. And I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of wanted to not record this podcast. Okay, so don't take that the wrong way. I love hanging out with you guys. I love recording these podcasts to share with you. It is so much fun to me. And at the same time, I also tend to struggle with procrastination sometimes. Okay, maybe a lot of the time. I struggle with procrastination a lot of the time. But before we dive into our topic today, I want to share something with you that has been helping me get over my procrastination. This is so kind of random, and I know you're here for health and wellness tips, but you know what? This actually kind of does have to do with health and wellness. Number one, because the strategy that I use, I also use for my clients when it comes to cravings and also because sometimes we procrastinate the things that matter to us most, right? And sometimes that means we're procrastinating meal prepping or we're procrastinating going to the gym or whatever it is, you know. So anyways, I'm going to share with you how even though I didn't feel like being here Right now, I got myself to get up and come and sit down to record this podcast. So the way that I did that is I used a strategy called the urge jar. And the urge jar is something that I use inside the vibrancy guide, which is my private group coaching program for clients who want to find their ideal body weight and find food freedom and experience what it's like to not have it be such a struggle to commit to health and wellness goals. So inside the Vibrancy Guide, we use a strategy called the Urge Jar. And we use the Urge Jar inside the Vibrancy Guide to help with cravings. But we actually, I am using it for a little bit of a different purpose. Like I said, I'm using it for my procrastination. So what is the Urge Jar? The Urge Jar is something that helps me, like I said, clients overcome urges. And the way that it works is whenever you, I'll explain how how we do it with cravings first. So when you have a craving, that is just an urge for something, right? That is an urge to have something that you don't currently have. And I will be honest, this is where my coaching different differs from intuitive eating. I am not of the belief that we should give in to every single urge for food that we have, right? Because a lot of the time, it's just out of automatic habit, or we may have some emotional eating patterns. And I is my belief that once we break those patterns and we learn when we truly want a food versus when we're just fiending for some sweets because we eat sweets every day at 2 p.m. or we are using food as an emotional crutch, once we get rid of those automatic habits, it's so much easier to be an actual intuitive eater. Before we do that, though, it just feels like we're being controlled by our desires for food, right? So how the urge jar works is that you make a commitment to yourself to you plan ahead of time what you're going to eat. And then whenever you get an urge for something else, of course, as you're planning ahead of time, you're including treats and it's not some super restrictive meal plan, right? You're planning balanced meals and you're including treats, you're including the things that you love. But inevitably, 
there are going to be some urges coming up for other things, right? There's going to be a donut in the break room. There's going to be, you know, just random stuff pop up. And when you get an urge to stray from your plan, what you do is you just allow yourself to feel the urge. You allow yourself to feel the urge and you don't respond to it in the same way that you would before. So before where you might just have eaten the food or whatever, you're not going to respond to it that same way. You're going to allow the urge to be there. And then once you allow the urge to be there for a little bit, you put a stone in your urge jar. And I know that that sounds totally wacko and it's like, what is that going to do? Well, with the urge jars, first of all, giving yourself that little reward of starting to fill up this jar as you start to fill up the jar, it starts to feel like you get these little dopamine hits every time you do that. So it's giving your brain a little reward in replacement. And also what I do and what's actually been helping me a lot is to put a bigger reward when you fill the urge jar. So I have 50 stones in my urge jar. When I fill the urge jar up, then I will be able to get a piece of clothing from Amazon. (laughs) And this sounds so silly, but I put stuff in my cart all the time. But then I'm like, realistically, I don't need another shirt. So that $25 shirt just sits in my cart and I just look at it. So this will give me an opportunity to give myself a reward and purchase one of those shirts that's been sitting in my cart probably since 2019. Anyways, just me or does anyone else have the like saved for later and have like 155 million things? Probably just me. Anyways, okay, so here's how I'm using this for my procrastination problem and actually getting shit done. So instead of using the urge jar for cravings, I am using the urge jar for when I have the urge to not follow through with my promise to myself to get something done. For example, I had the urge to just sit on my couch this morning because it's raining. It's just was cozy. It was dark in my living room. I want to just sit on my couch and scroll Instagram and look at stories for a while, like my favorite thing to do. But instead, I resisted that urge and I came up here to record this podcast and I got to put a little stone in my urge jar and I'm getting closer to being able to purchase something on Amazon for myself. So anyways, this is just a little strategy and we actually talk about it way more in depth inside the vibrancy guide which p.s the vibrancy guide is getting a facelift in 2021 it is getting a new name and i'm not going to share it with you yet but i am so excited to share it with you but anyways we go so much more in depth than how to use the urge jar and the psychology of of how this works and why this works and how to do it even more in depth so if you are interested in that and you want to know how to use this for cravings or for procrastination, then definitely come check me out on Instagram at Bright Light Chels. And soon I will be announcing the next opportunity to get inside the Vibrancy Guide. So, okay, I wanted to share that with you this today because I knew that somebody could benefit from that. But what we're actually going to talk about today is how to have consistent and flexible nutrition during the holiday season. So I say consistent because I don't think that just because it's the holidays, we need to throw away nutrition and exercise in general. That is not going to leave us feeling very good. And I say flexible because I also don't, I know there's going to be lots of parties, lots of family get-togethers. And you know, honestly, in 2020, it might not be as many get-togethers as usual, right? So there might be more of an opportunity to kind of, you know, not have as indulgent of a holiday season as we normally do. But for many of us, the cookies and the wine and the and the making big indulgent meals is part of the experience. So we want to learn how to do that in a balanced way, right? And, you know, I'll be honest, I kind of felt like, again, with the procrastination thing, I'm getting this podcast out a little bit later than usual, right? We've already had Thanksgiving, we're mid-December, but I had the thought of not doing it at all. And then I decided, you know what, 
I bet some people will still benefit from this. There is still two weeks left in the year, and that could be two weeks that people are feeling the least amount of encouragement, right? Like even the beginning of December, we are kind of like, all right, guys, it's the last month, right? We're still going to try. Then alas, you get midway through the month and the holiday parties start and the big meals and the vacations and yada, yada. And then you really just have the temptation to just throw it all to the wind and start again January 1st, right? So I figured even though this podcast is coming out a little bit later, later. I don't know why I said it like that. We're still going to roll with it and talk about this. And I'm going to teach you the strategy that I teach my clients to help them get through some of those situations that normally feel really difficult for them to stick to their promises to themselves, aka vacation, going home for the holidays, holiday parties, all that kind of stuff. So let's jump into it. So first of all, do you associate the holidays with weight gain? I know so many people do. And it's just like, you know, the talk of the town right now is how holidays equal weight gain. Oh, you know, what what new diet are you going to start in January? I don't know, but not thinking about it now. Just pour me another glass of eggnog, right? (laughs) So if you associate the holidays with weight gain, I want you to think why. Why is it that you associate this time of year with a change in your physical body, right? It's likely because the holidays for many people equal overeating and overdrinking at events. A lot of people think that they associate holidays with weight gain because of the types of foods that are around during the holidays, right? There's there's more carby sides, there's more Christmas cookies, people are bringing in holiday treats, there's delicious peppermint mochas and all kinds of stuff, right? But I actually think that the culprit of weight gain, which is not always a bad thing, by the way, but I don't think the holidays have to equal weight gain. I think that the reason a lot of us do associate with the holidays with weight gain is because we overeat and overdrink during the holidays. And the reason that we overeat and overdrink during the holidays is because we don't give ourselves permission to eat all of these foods that we enjoy the rest of the year. For example, I used to really struggle with this. I used to never allow myself to have cookies or like I was just so strict with everything I was eating. And so that meant that by the time I got to Thanksgiving, by the time I got to the month of December, all I wanted to do was binge on these foods because I had deprived myself from them all year long. And, you know, I also what I would do was I would avoid these types of situations that encouraged me to overeat and overdrink. So throughout the year, I can avoid social situations. I can white knuckle my way through the few social situations I had to go to. But the holidays or like all those situations that encouraged me or that I was in the habit of overeating and overdrinking at, which is like rest, that was restaurants and that was parties and any any time I was drinking pretty much. But we can't avoid it at the holidays, can we? We cannot avoid it at the holidays. We we can't say, mom, I'm not coming to Christmas because I'm trying to lose weight, right? And so we end up just giving up all of our physical goals for the entire month. And I don't think it has to be like that. And something else I think, I think that you have to experience whatever it is that triggers you to overeat and overdrink instead of just avoiding it, which is what a lot of people do when they go on a diet or start a new um, fitness plan. You have to learn how to go through those, those experiences and change your response to it. Because otherwise, you're true. You're not going to make true lifelong changes if you don't know how to handle these circumstances, and you also won't be able to enjoy your life. Who wants to go through life avoiding social events just because they think they're going to overeat at them? That's not a sustainable way to live, in my opinion. Right? Am I right? You too. So I want to offer you a little mindset shift before we dive into the strategy that I'm going to share with you. And the mindset shift is, instead of obsessing over what you eat, I think it would be much more beneficial to obsess over how you eat or who you are as an eater. 
So when we obsess over what we eat, that looks like, oh, well, I can't have cookies. I can't have wine. I keep saying cookies and wine. Obviously, you know the things that I enjoy. Cookies, wine. I can't have mac and cheese. I can't have mashed potatoes. Stuffing is actually my jam at holidays. I freaking love stuffing. But we we say that we when we obsess over what we eat, we try to eliminate all these things that we enjoy. When we obsess over how we eat, that looks a little different. That looks more like really paying attention to our hunger and fullness cues. That looks like learning how to eat the foods that we like, allowing all foods to fit, but just in moderation, learning how to practice moderation, right? And yes, there are some foods that are designed to overeat, right? Like cookies and all that kind of stuff. They are designed to make you overeat them. But I don't think that that means that you have to. I am living proof that you, just because those foods are designed that way, you really need to just more so pay attention to your mental patterns around them and practice breaking those patterns that are not benefiting you. Also, when you're, when you're paying more attention to how you eat, you might be paying more attention to having mindful meals, which means you're sitting down and you're you're paying attention to your food. A lot of us eat our food really distracted, which means that we're not we're getting the physical satisfaction from it, yes, but we because we're not paying attention to the food, we're not getting that mental sensory satisfaction, right? There's some sensory satisfaction that comes with eating, tasting what it is, feeling what it feels, the textures of the food. When you're not paying attention to that, you're going to end up overeating a lot of the time because your your brain is still looking for that sensory satisfaction. And since you're not paying attention to the food, your brain isn't getting that satisfaction. It's cueing you to continue eating and eating and eating. And just Paying attention to how you eat, in my opinion, is so much more beneficial, especially if you have weight loss as a goal or even weight maintenance as a goal during the holidays, right? Honestly, I think weight maintenance through the holidays is much more manageable. We don't need to be worrying about losing weight right now, but we should be paying attention to taking care of our bodies through this time, right? And for the most part, that doesn't mean just overeating and drinking a bottle of wine every night of the month, right? of December. So how are we going to, how are we going to do this? So how are we going to plan for those, those situations that we tend to go into and throw in the towel, right? So like the parties, the holiday meals, things like that, that can really make us leave the the situation. First of all, we go into the situation feeling like, I don't know, what am I going to do? Maybe I should try and avoid the desserts. Maybe I should try and do this. Or we go into the situation being like, heck yes, I'm going to eat my heart out. And then we feel so sick afterwards and feel awful. I think on either side of those spectrums, we're not really taking care of our body because neither of those feel good. So what I have my clients do instead is they make a plan for these situations. So they make a plan for Thanksgiving. They make a plan for Christmas. They make a plan for their holiday trip home. They make a plan for anything that arises, any kind of anxiety, anything usually that's kind of out of the norm, out of the typical, They that like arises anxiety because in the past they have overate and overdrank at those situations and they don't really want to feel terrible after the situation, the party or whatever it is. And they also don't want to feel like they undid all of their progress. Which side note, you can't undo all of your progress in one day by any means, but I do think sometimes it encourages us when we feel like we didn't, it encourages us to throw in the towel altogether. So I thought this strategy could be helpful for a lot of you. So you make a plan for this situation. Let's just say, let's use Thanksgiving, even though Thanksgiving has already passed as an example, because I'm going to be explaining to you how I handled this on Thanksgiving. You make a plan that helps you stick with what you want most versus what you want right now in the moment. So what do I mean by that? What do you want most? Most of you If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to venture to say that you care about your health and wellness. You care about taking good care of your body. So what what you want most is to show your body the care and the love that it deserves, right? You may even have specific goals for this. And but what you want in the moment might be 
to, again, drink a whole bottle of wine, to eat five cookies, and to completely overeat until you feel sick, right? That might be what you want in the moment. And then afterwards, you feel completely terrible, right? Well, I want to introduce you to a concept and just teach you a little bit about your big, beautiful brain. (laughs) So there is something called the triune brain model. And for the love of God, I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, this is going to be so embarrassing. But anyways, if I'm not, then please message me on Instagram and let me know. No shame in that. Whatever. It's all good. So the triune brain model essentially says that we have three different types of brains, I guess I'll say how to explain this. So we have our prefrontal cortex, which is, or our neocortex, interchangeable, kind of. But anyways, they're going to be interchangeable for the purpose of this podcast. There is prefrontal cortex, and that is the part of your brain that, basically the part of your brain that that distinguishes you from a toddler, right? Your prefrontal cortex can look ahead. It can make plans for the future. It can know what you want most versus what you want in the moment. That is such a battle for so many people, knowing what you want most versus what you want in the moment. This is the part of the brain that's responsible for all kinds of executive functioning and like your thinking brain, your conscious thinking brain. And then there is the limbic brain. And that one is revolving around memory and emotions. That one controls memory and emotions. We're not going to talk about that one a whole lot today. But then there is your brain stem or basal ganglia. Again, don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct, but here we are. And this one I like to call your critter brain. And your critter brain has one purpose and one purpose only, and that is survival. The only thing your critter brain cares about is survival, making sure that you stay alive. And this brain has evolved from our Paleolithic ancestors, the cavemen, right? If you think about a caveman, they're not concerned with making life I mean, we, we don't know exactly, but like they, they were pretty much just concerned with survival, right? Survival of the fittest. So this brain, although it is like a prehistoric version of our brain, we are still walking around with this brain, this prehistoric brain ruling all most of our decisions. Most people make like 90% of their decisions from this brain. So this brain, it, it your critter brain, is where you create habits, automatic habits. And let me tell you how that connects back to survival. Because when you create automatic habits, you don't have to think about something as much. When you don't think about something as much, you're using less brain power. When you're using less brain power, you're expending less energy. When you're expending less energy, if a predator comes around, you have more of a chance of running away and like thinking quickly on your toes and, and having more energy to to expend, to get out of a situation that's potentially dangerous. This brain also is responsible for instant gratification. This brain cares a lot about instant gratification. So it doesn't care that what you want most is to, to let's say, lose five pounds or maintain your weight over the holidays. It cares that it wants a cupcake and it wants that cupcake right now. (laughs) And the reason that that is tied back to survival is if you think about it, instant gratification is a great strategy for survival, right? It leads us to seeking out places that are warm. It leads us to going to sleep when we're tired. It leads us to eating when we're hungry. It leads us to, you know, all of these basic instincts that were really, really helpful for cavemen to stay alive back in those days. But nowadays, not many of us are living off the land. And I'm willing to bet if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably not living off the land. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong and I've got some listeners that are doing that, please let me know. That would be really cool. But 
you probably have a home and you probably have a grocery store and you probably have easy access to all the things that do make us comfortable and and that do help us survive, which means that that instant gratification has kind of shifted. And nowadays, it doesn't benefit as, us as much as it used to. In fact, a lot of the times, instant gratification means that we're going to end up eating everything that we see that we enjoy the second we see it which isn't always beneficial. We're going to end up, instead of doing the things we need to do, we're gonna end up scrolling TikTok for who even knows how long, right? Because that's instant gratification. It feels better in the moment. So what we're gonna do is practice, practice thinking about what we want most. And of course, we think about what we want in the moment as well. That's part of that balance. But we don't leave all of our decisions about food and alcohol up to our critter brain. Because if we leave it up to our critter brain, it will always choose that instant gratification in the moment, right? How many times have you said that you were going to, that, you know, what, I'm trying to think, let me think of an example. How many times have you said that you were going to not eat something or or pick a balanced meal or something like that or thought, you didn't really think too hard about it in the in the forefront of your mind, but then in the moment when you're faced with the opportunity, you made a choice that you weren't proud of later. And you were like, why did I do that? Why did I completely forget my goals and just end up scarfing six pieces of pizza when I know I could have ordered a salad to eat with my pizza and be a little bit more balanced about it? Why did I do that? The answer is because of your critter brain. It will always win. Always win. Except unless you understand about these parts of your brain and you set yourself up for success and you make a plan ahead of time. If you make a plan ahead of time and you know exactly how you're going to handle these circumstances like holiday parties, like big holiday meals, like travel and vacation, and you make a plan that you know you can stick to, then you've already got the plan and you're giving yourself so much of a better chance of actually following through and showing up for the human that you want to be in the future. So the most ideal version of you, you are thinking about her in the moment, him or her in the moment, and you are considering that while you're making your choices. So I'm going to teach you how to do that. And it's as simple as just making a plan. So how to make a plan, how are we going to make a plan for these types of situations? It sounds so simplistic, right? It's like, okay, cool. I can make a plan, right? Whatever. Done that before. But I want to take you through the five-step system that I use to make a plan. Of course, I'm not going as in detail as I do inside the Vibrancy Guide. If you want even more support with this kind of stuff and personalized support, then definitely, definitely, like I said, follow me on Instagram. And I will be announcing soon when the next opportunity to get inside this group coaching program will be. It will be in the new year. And I know that is a time that a lot of us find to be good to change habits, right? Personally, I think it's a good time to change habits anytime. And sometimes a lot of clients say that through the most difficult seasons that they have been in my coaching program, that those have been the most beneficial because they learned how to do it at even the hardest points. They learned how to keep their promises to herself even when they didn't want to. And that helped them so much because anyone can do it when it's easy, right? But when it gets tough is when things get a little sticky. Okay, so how to make this plan. Okay, so it's a five-step process. Step number one, you're going to consider how do you want to feel after the event? Step two, you're going to choose which strategies you want to stick to. Step three, you're going to write down a plan. So you're going to write down with a pen or type it out what exactly these strategies will look like when implemented. Step four, you're going to follow through with your plan. And step five, you're going to reflect. So I'll explain each of these more in detail, of course. Before I do that, I want to say, does this mean that you cannot enjoy your holidays? Am I going to be telling you to make a meal prepped meal to bring to a holiday meal? Of course not unless you want to, which I can find very little reason for doing that because you definitely don't have to do something like that to reach your goals. But this plan is going to be up to you. You are going to get to decide what matters most to you. You are going to get to decide, do you want wine? Do you want the cookies? Do you want the the 
appetizers? Do you want, what do you want for this meal? What is a non-negotiable, right? You're going to get to choose all that. And again, we're just not going to leave it up to our critter brain in the moment to just, because again, it'll just rule us to completely overeat, especially if you've been being restrictive. So we're going to consider how we feel afterwards. And we're doing this for any event that makes you feel anxious, like you might spin out of control, anything like that. So the example I'm going to be using going through these steps is Thanksgiving. I made a plan for Thanksgiving. These holidays used to be really hard for me because what I used to do, I'll tell you what what I used to do for any kind of holiday like this. First of all, the holiday is starting way before the holiday, right? If this is the day before Thanksgiving, you know what? Tomorrow I'm already going to be overeating, eating like shit and drinking a bunch of shit. I'm going to go ahead and do that today too. And shoot, I'm going to do it the day after the holiday. And I'm going to do it for as long until the leftovers are gone because I'm getting my worth because I never get to eat stuffing. And so I'm eating all the stuffing now, right? And then what happens? I feel absolutely terrible about my choices a week later. So any kind of event that you feel this way about. So step one, consider how you want to feel afterwards. So after this event, so Thanksgiving, even though, again, this is being released in December. (laughs) So you're probably thinking about something else, vacation or like a, a holiday trip or a holiday party or a New Year's party or anything like that. How do you want to feel after the fact? After after Thanksgiving, the next day, the next week, how do you want to feel? I want you to imagine being there. Put yourself in that future moment. How do you want to feel? Do you want to feel guilty? Do you want to feel overstuffed and like you're still full and kind of feel bloated and sick the next morning? Do you want to feel mentally not proud of your choices like you yet again made a choice that you don't feel proud of? Or do you want to feel like you had some foods that you loved, you enjoyed the moment with loved ones, you paid attention to your loved ones, and you also ate some really great food. And that was just kind of like the bonus, right? So consider how you want to feel afterwards and write this down somewhere. Write it down. Very important that you write it down. I want you to like in detail explain how you want to feel afterwards. So step two, now you know that you want, that you were planning this whole thing based off of how you want to feel. So perhaps how you want to feel is like you allowed yourself to eat any kind of food that you wanted, but you didn't necessarily overeat. You just, you're going to, you can have any food that you want, but you're not going to overeat. Perhaps you want to feel not hungover. <laughs> and that was one of mine for Thanksgiving. I did not want to be hungover the day after Thanksgiving because it's just a spiral of bad choices. Not bad, but just not choices considering my highest self from there. I'm trying to really get away from using the words good and bad, not just when it comes to food, but when it comes to everything. Good and bad are so... What's the word? Is it subjective or objective? It's it's up to you if it's good or bad. And, and honestly, though, there's nothing that's good or bad. It's all about your perspective. So I'm choosing to use those words less because I don't think they benefit anything. If I'm looking at something as bad, that's going to cause emotions in me. And there's just no need. It's more helpful to look at things just through a lens of it just is, right? So that's step one. How are you going to want to feel? Step two, pick your strategies that you want to implement. So what strategies do you want to use? And I'm not going to go over all the strategies that I teach my clients because that would take way too long. But some of the strategies you could choose it are honoring hunger and fullness, including fiber and protein in your meals, maybe limiting the number of drinks that you have, maybe making sure you drink enough water, maybe treating travel days like normal. So I used to, the second I stepped foot in an airport or in a car to travel somewhere like a a road trip, game on. It is, I'm on vacation. It's time to eat all the things. Let's stop at Arby's. (laughs) I do like Arby's. Is that embarrassing? Oh, well. But, you know, just completely the overeating starts the second the travel starts. And actually, this was a really hard habit for me to break because I had it so ingrained for from so many years of being so strict up until the moment that I left for a vacation. That was a really hard habit to break. 
treat travel days like normal, yada, yada. There's lots of strategies you could pick from. You could choose the strategy, again, that you're not going to limit what you eat. So you're going to eat what you enjoy eating, but you're going to change the what, the how, how you eat. So you're going to choose to honor hunger and fullness. You're going to eat your meals mindfully. So write down what strategies you want to implement. And you might have specific strategies that work for you too. You might have things that, that you know always help you kind of just, just keep with, again, keeping your highest self in mind. So that's step two, choose your strategies. Now, step three is so important and it is write a plan of what these strategies look like. What is it going to look like on that day? And here's why this is important because what if we just write down, oh, I'm gonna honor hunger and fullness. Oh, I'm gonna drink enough water. Oh, I'm gonna do this. We don't really have a really clear vision of what exactly that is going to look like. So I'm gonna show you how I did this for Thanksgiving or tell you how I did this, I guess. You're not really seeing anything, but you know. Okay, so for Thanksgiving, a couple of things that I wanted to do was, so my the for my step two, for my step one, let's let's start there. So step one, how did I want to feel? I was so adamant about not feeling hungover. I did not want to feel hungover. And the next day, I also did not want to feel like I overate. I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling the night of and the day after. It just never feels physically good to me. And now I really value that. And I wanted to feel like I had everything that I enjoyed about Thanksgiving and about the Thanksgiving meal, but I didn't overeat. So that's how I wanted to feel afterwards. I also wanted to feel a sign for me that I've overeaten as if the next day, like I want absolutely nothing to do with the gym. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. You know, I'm not moving my body at all. And I wanted to, I didn't want that feeling where like, because it's so reminiscent of my, what used to be my weekends. I would eat so horribly all weekend. Again, I used, you know, horribly is synonymous with bad, huh? So, but anyways, I wouldn't, I would eat, overeat all weekend and eat, touch not one vegetable. Be lucky if I got some protein in there other than like chicken nugs, you know, and I would feel so sickly full and bloated on Monday that I was so full that I didn't even want to go to the gym because the thought of moving and jumping around and putting on tight clothes, my bloated stomach, just felt horrible. So I always think of that feeling and how little desire I have to feel that feeling. Okay. So what is my plan and what are these strategies going to look like in real life? So we're, we're up to step three now. So for Thanksgiving, I wrote out, I did it. I typed it in my notes this time. So I typed it in my, my iPhone notes so that I could do I could read it before. So read it the day of. So I made this plan like a week before. So I, my plan was I was going to eat a one, three plate for breakfast. So my normal breakfast with vegetables and, and, and protein and carbohydrates and healthy fat. I wasn't restricting for breakfast because I knew that later that would lead to overeating. If I decided to say I'm not eating carbs the whole day before Thanksgiving, I know myself well enough to know that that's going to lead to a carb binge. That is going to cause me to overeat. So this was an important strategy to avoid the overeating. So I decided that morning I was going to have my one three plate for breakfast. We were eating our Thanksgiving meal for lunch. And then, of course, we're probably going to have it for dinners for leftovers. So I said for the rest of the day, I'm going to eat whatever I want for meals, right? I'm not going to worry about exactly having the perfectly portioned carbohydrates and proteins and fats and vegetables. I wasn't going to worry about that. I was just going to eat and put on my plate what sounded good. Okay. And then I was going to honor hunger, which means that I was going to be eating when I was actually hungry. You know, all those like little appetizers and all that stuff that looks so delicious on Thanksgiving. And we have like the cheese plates out and all that good stuff. Totally. I could totally eat those. But I wasn't just going to be eating just to eat. I don't really like to do that anymore, to eat just to eat. I mean, I, I do sometimes. I'm human, okay? I'm not a robot. But for the most part, I wasn't just going to eat what, what just to eat. If I wanted some of those things, I would eat them on a plate when I was physically hungry. And I would also honor fullness with flexibility. 
So normally on the hunger and fullness scale that we do in depth with my clients, we practice stopping at a seven, which is satisfied, not stuffed. I said that I was an honor fullness with flexibility. So today I would definitely probably get to an eight, right? On Thanksgiving, I said I would allow myself to get to an eight because we're being realistic here, right? I am not going to stop. How do I say this? I'm probably going to eat a little bit more than I normally do, right? I'm going to get to an eight, but I'm definitely not allowing myself to get to a nine or a 10. So an eight is like, you're a little stuffed, but you're still, you're still fairly comfortable. You know, a nine and a 10 is like, you feel physically sick, right? You have to unbutton your pants. I didn't want to get to that because it doesn't feel good in my body. And I was going to eat everything off a plate. So I'm writing down all of these things, right? I wrote down all of these expectations for myself. Eat everything off of a plate. So I'm not randomly grabbing handfuls of stuff all day. If I'm eating something, I'm eating it off of a plate and I'm sitting down. So if I'm eating those appetizers, like I said before, and I am hungry, I'm going to put them on a little plate and I'm going to sit down and eat them and enjoy them versus just like sitting next to the bowl of nuts and just eating them mindlessly. Again, these are all my, this is my personal plan. Every single one of my clients makes a personal plan for themselves. I'm not saying these are things you have to do. I'm saying this is what I wanted to do and I chose to do to best honor my body. It's probably going to look totally different than how you would choose to do it, right? So I was going to eat everything off of the plate and I wanted to have four drinks maximum. This is probably the hardest one for me to actually stick to. Four drinks because, I mean, over drinking is something that I used to always do on holidays and like, spoiler alert, again, I'm a human. I'm not perfect. I still do it sometimes. But my goal for Thanksgiving, I wanted to break that habit, four drinks max. I didn't want to be hungover and water in between each drink. So do you see how I transformed those strategies into really applicable things that I could remember throughout the day what they're going to look like? That's so simple to remember. And I did, in fact, stick to that plan. I did every single one of those things. I followed through 100%. I will tell you, you don't... It takes practice to get to the point where you follow through 100% and you're not going to do it every single time. But something that's really important here is in, is setting realistic expectations, right? I didn't say, oh, I, I wasn't limiting anything. I wasn't cutting out any kinds of foods, but I was also being just so realistic, right? I know when it comes to honoring fullness, I knew I wasn't going to stop at a seven and I didn't want to. I These are special homemade foods, family recipes that I didn't want to limit myself. So I knew I wanted to Uh, that was worth it to me. And I knew I would still feel good the next day making those choices, but not being super unrealistic. And with four drinks, right? I didn't say I'm going to have zero drinks. I didn't say I was going to have one drink. I was realistic with it. I was like, I'm gonna have four. And I treasured those drinks. I drank them slowly. I did have my water in between each one. And it made it so enjoyable. It was enjoyable. It wasn't like bingy, you know? So, (laughs) so that was step three. Step four is to follow through with whatever you implemented. So something important with this is if you're planning this ahead of time, I would definitely take time that morning to sit down and read back your plan the morning of so that you can remember. If you wrote it a while ago, it's going to be really hard to remember if you don't read it back to yourself. So read it back to yourself the morning of, follow through with it. Remember, you've made this plan considering your highest self. That critter brain in the moment is going to be giving you all kinds of impulses to throw that plan away. But just know you're not restricting yourself. You're making choices for your future self. And to me, remembering this, it, making this plan exactly how I want it to be stops it from feeling restrictive and it just makes it feel like a choice that I'm making for myself that feels best in my body. Again, intuitive eating coaches don't come after me. I'm not an intuitive eating coach. Okay? Okay. I talk about all foods fit and so I think that's where people get confused. But I've said it on this podcast five million times. So hopefully you guys know that by now, but you might not. Okay. Number five, Reflect. We're going to reflect the next day afterwards or whenever. You're going to reflect and say, how did that go? What went well? Congratulate yourself for following through with the things that went well. What didn't go as well? What did you maybe forget to anticipate? 
right? Because we're doing this anticipating what's going to matter most to us, right? Like, did you forget to anticipate? For example, I forgot to anticipate the next day. I did not make a plan for the day after Thanksgiving. And guess what I know happens when we're driving home on a long road trip and it's the day after a holiday like that is that I get such intense cravings for fast food. I just want to have a big junky fast food meal. I forgot to anticipate that. So I didn't make a plan for it. So guess what I did? I gave in to my critter brain cravings because I didn't have a previous plan. And I had a Chick-fil-A number one with cheese and the french fries, and a milkshake. I did that, and guess what? It's okay, it is totally okay. It it happens, again, I'm a human, I don't know how many times I have to say that in case you guys like forget, but it happened, not a big deal. But I'm not gonna beat myself up about it, I'm going to reflect on it. We look at everything through a lens of curiosity instead of judgment, and I didn't beat myself up for that. And I would just say what I said to myself, how I reflected upon this is, okay, next time I've got to remember to make a plan for the next day. What's the plan for the next day? Well, I'm thinking, first of all, I know I'm still going to want fast food and I think that's fine. I think that's totally fine. And that's also the most convenient option when we're driving from one place to the next. It's the most convenient option. And we hadn't had Chick-fil-A in so long and I we didn't have fast food in so long. And so I, it, it was fine. It was fine. But If I were to redo it, what I would do is pick what I want most, not all the things, right? So I might say I really wanted the milkshake. I had been thinking about their milkshakes for like minimum a month. And I was like, I'm definitely having a milkshake. So I would definitely have the milkshake. But then I might get the salad with grilled nuggets or fried nuggets instead of the sandwich and the fries, right? Because honestly, that didn't matter as much to me. I can get Chick-fil-A anytime. I do love their nuggets, but I really love their nuggets on a salad. So then I could have the milkshake and the salad with the nuggets, which would have left me feeling less stuffed and like, okay, why did I do that? You know, I didn't really need to do that. So when you reflect, you can remember these things for next time to implement on into your plan. Or let's say you forgot to reflect on or you've got to, forgot to think about the desserts. How are you going to handle the desserts? And you didn't handle them in a way that you felt really reflected who you want to be most versus what you wanted in the moment. And what would you change next time? And, and I would also recommend writing this down and maybe even keeping like a word doc of these, of like your little plans. You write your plans and you write your little reflections and you write how you felt afterwards and all the info. And so that next time it comes, you have one place to look that you can remember. So like, let's say you did this for Thanksgiving. Now I can look at that and remember for Christmas. Although I'll make a totally different one for Christmas because we're visiting my mom and gonna be gone for a week. And that's a whole different circumstance, right? So you reflect and, and you reflect on, did you feel, read those words that you, how you intended to feel after the situation? Did you feel that way after the situation? And my answer was yes, until we got the Chick-fil-A. Then I felt overly stuffed. (laughs) So again, I knew that there needed to be a little bit of tweaking and editing and it's okay. It's okay. We tweak and edit and we fix it for next time, right? But I did stick to all of the things that I planned on doing on the day of Thanksgiving, which made me feel so good and so proud. And I proudly did not have a hangover. And that made me feel so great. So that is the five-step plan for making a meal plan. And again, I didn't really dive into all the strategies you could choose for and how exactly to implement those because we don't have time to get into all of that. But there's more info in that on inside the vibrancy guide. And also one more thing I want to mention before I kind of sign off here is that this plan is one part of this process. Another super important of this process part of this process is to stop idolizing these foods the other 11 months of the year. If you're not on a diet, then you're going to have so much less of a chance of binging because when you're not highly restricting these foods, you don't, you rarely get the feeling or the desire to just completely overeat them until you feel sick. Part of the reason that you desire to do this is because you're so restrictive with them the rest of the year. And this is exactly what I work on with my clients inside the Vibrancy Guide. And you know, before I didn't plan on saying this, but one more little, little 
tidbit about your human brain and survival when it comes to this is your brain is is designed to pay attention to things that are potentially dangerous. So anything that you flag in your mind as bad or dangerous, your brain, sorry, I'm messing with my sticky notes. I'm sure you can probably hear that rustling. I'll stop now. (laughs) Anything in your brain that you consider to be bad or dangerous your brain's going to pay attention to. So again, let's go back to the caveman days. You are afraid of a tiger. In your mind, that is dangerous. Are you going to be paying attention to the flowers on the bush next to you because they look pretty? Or are you going to be paying attention to the freaking tiger? It is a danger. It's a threat to your life, to your survival. So your critter brain is saying, ding, 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 we need to pay attention to that because all we care about is survival, right? Here's how this translates into modern day situations. You tell yourself that sugar is bad. You heard that sugar is toxic. You heard that sugar is addictive. Your brain is now seeing this sugar as something toxic, bad, addictive, aka dangerous. Anything that you tell yourself is bad or off limits, you're telling yourself it is dangerous. Your human brain is wired to pay attention, to obsess over things that are dangerous. Do you see how you telling yourself you cannot have something, you cannot have the dessert, you cannot have the mashed potatoes, you cannot have the alcohol, you cannot have this, is wiring you to be obsessed with it. (laughs) I just, this is what drives me crazy about diet culture. I'm like, I wish Anyone, just anyone would understand what's happening inside your brain and what you are doing and how you are causing this obsession on your own, right? So anyways, that's my last little tidbit I wanted to tell you about, about why diets don't work. Of course, I had to drop that in there, but I hope this episode was helpful to you. I hope that you found some insight in this. You know, when I listen to a podcast, I always find like one or two little tidbits of information that really stick out to me. Whatever those were for you today, even if it wasn't the whole plan, but just one thing I said made a difference in how you viewed food or your body or or this whole situation of how to be healthy and how to how to create a life where you prioritize fitness and health and feeling good in your body. Write it down. Take a moment, start a note in your phone. If you can't tell, I love the notes app on my phone. Start a note in your phone and just have it say like podcast insights. And whenever you get an interesting insight from a podcast, when you finish listening to a podcast, write down that little insight. And it's just fun. Writing things down for me helps me remember them. I have a horrible memory, so I don't really remember a whole lot. I'm going to be honest with you. Very honest. I can't even remember to text somebody back when they texted me like three seconds ago. But this just helps you to actually absorb some of this information and start implementing it, right? Because what's the point of getting all this knowledge if you don't implement any of it? So I hope this was helpful. If you gleaned anything helpful from it, please leave me a rating and review. They make my day to read. They are so much fun. I just enjoy it. And I would just appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. That is the best thanks I could ever get. And I appreciate you guys so much. I hope that you're having a wonderful December and I will talk to you next time.